Girlfriends, episode number 292, At the Foot of the Cross with Laura Phelps. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, I have a special new friend and author, Laura Phelps, joining me to talk about her newest book, Sweet Cross. I can't wait to share this really important, inspiring conversation with you. Let's get going. Hey there, how are you? Thanks for being here. I'm really excited to dive into this week's show with you. I've got a new friend. I've got a new friend. Laura Phelps is an author and I have been familiar with her work in the past, but we never had an opportunity to chat before now. But before we dive into that, I want to say thank you to those of you who've been emailing me, connecting with me on social media, all about my new book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, letting me know that you're reading it, letting me know the different ways that you're sharing it in your women's groups and at your parish and in your community. Really, it's been such a joy for me to hear from you the ways in which you are finding and experiencing God in the everyday. So that is such a joy to me. It's such a joy for an author to be able to connect with readers in real ways once those words start reaching you, reaching your mind, reaching your heart. And I love that you're reaching out to me and sharing the different ways that the book is touching you and helping you to reflect a little bit more on the ways that God is indeed always present, even in the midst of our very busy lives. So if you haven't already gotten your copy of Whisper, you can find it at ascensionpress.com. You can look at recent episodes of the Girlfriends podcast going back through the summer. At the end of each of those podcasts, I kind of did a mini book club where I was looking at a different chapter of the book each week and diving a little deeper into that topic. So that's kind of a fun way. I actually heard from some women's groups who were using those in their weekly meetings, kind of just playing that little recording, which is like 10 minutes of me sharing about that section of the book um, to kind of launch into their own discussions of the different themes that I take up in Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. So if you would like access to a companion journal that can help you in your own journey through the book or help you to organize a reading group around Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Let me know you'd like that. I can send you a free downloadable PDF that you can print, you can share, you can use it on your own, you can share it with a girlfriend. It really provides a nice structure and kind of discussion questions to help women connect through the themes that we share in the book. So reach out to me if you'd like to have access to that. So I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Like I said, Laura Phelps is a new friend to me. I was aware of her work uh, for many years now, but I had never had the opportunity to chat with her before. And that's actually one of the fun things about doing a podcast is that I have this built-in excuse to talk to all these awesome people and get to know all the wonderful things that are going on in the church today. And Laura Phelps is indeed one of those awesome things that's going on in the church today. So she shares a very powerful example of the loving mercy of God and learning to trust more fully in God in her new book, Sweet Cross. And she has a unique experience because Laura Phelps is one of those women who has faced something that is really just the worst nightmare for many of us moms, something we see on the news and we can't even imagine. So she's one of the moms of kids who are at Sandy Hook, that tragic school shooting that happened in an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut years ago absolutely insane experience that she had. Her kids were okay, but it still was 
an unbelievable experience for her, her family, her community in an ongoing way. And then her testimony through the book and through what she shares here in our conversation of trusting in God, even in the face of great suffering, is truly an inspiration to me. And I know it's going to be to you too. Take a listen. I am so happy to have a special guest joining me here on Girlfriends today. Laura Phelps is joining me. And Laura is a national speaker and writer. She's author of Victorious Secret, Everyday Battles and How to Win Them from Our Sunday Visitor. Laura shows women how to put on their spiritual armor, face the daily battle and win. She's here today, especially to talk about her new book, Sweet Cross, A Marian Guide to Suffering, which is newly released from Our Sunday Visitor. In it, Laura shows men and women how to step out of the fear of suffering and to look at their cross in a whole new way. Laura's passion is fierce, her devotion to our Blessed Mother strong, and her message is simple. You cannot outrun your cross, so you might as well embrace it. Laura lives with her husband, Nick, four children, and a menagerie of pets in Newtown, Connecticut. Welcome, Laura. I'm so happy to have you here on Girlfriends today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so, you know, people that might not be familiar with you, probably a good starting story is the little bit you shared with me before we came on here today about being a Sandy Hook mom in that community in Newtown, Connecticut. Can you just share with us a little bit about your background with that, your experience with that, and how this led to this new book with our Sunday Visitor? Sure, absolutely. So yes, I'm a mom, a Sandy Hook mom. I live in in Connecticut with my four kids. So I've got ages now, they're 22, 20, almost 18, and 15. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's crazy. That's crazy. Your baby's <laughs> my baby is 15 you are. too. So I yeah. totally get it. Bigger than me, and he will forever be my baby, whether he likes <laughs> it or not. So, I totally know, get that. Yeah. So, um, so that's my Luke. So Luke is 15 and then my daughter is going to be 18 this Wednesday. Annie, wow. um, Luke and Annie were two kids, grades first. Luke was in the first grade and Annie was a third grader at Sandy Hook Elementary mm-hmm. on December 14th in 2012. And um, really what's come out of that tragedy for, mm. I, I call it an evil. Absolutely. <laughs> absolute evil. My journey from that day up until today and ongoing is I really started to look and observe at the way we carry our crosses and especially the the, the unexpected, right? Like the blind side. Um, I mean, nobody wants to suffer, period. Nobody wants a cross at all. But when they're just so out of the blue, you know, this was a beautiful, beautiful winter morning. Right. Like, you know, kind of like a 9-11, right? Like mm-hmm. that was gorgeous day. Too. Beautiful, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Beautiful day, clear sky. And my husband and I, we had plans. We were going to go out of town that day and we never go anywhere, like ever. <laughs> but we were celebrating a belated birthday for him and we decided to go into New York City for the night. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a big deal. Like when you've got to coordinate, I've got, you know, four kids, my right. old, just an eighth grader at the time. So all the logistics of mom and dad getting out of town. And so I took care of all the things and got everybody out. My oldest was homesick that day, but my parents were going to come and watch them. So we're like, we're still going. We don't care that he's sick. We're still going. And so, um, yeah, so I put my little ones on the school bus. And when the school bus came down, I remember just feeling really nervous because I thought, what if something happens to me? Well, oh, I'm at, right. Like we're mm-hmm. driving into the city. What if, what if something happens to us? And so I just remember like zipping up their little coats and putting on their hats and, and I bless them. I always bless my kids when I say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, but that day I blessed them 
And I said, I'm just going to pray that all the angels protect you while mom's gone. Wow. And I'm off and wave goodbye. And um, went back to the house and started getting ready and started packing. Um, I remember putting on eyeliner, like, like I was going to like, I was going to look hot that day. Like we were, get, we were free, you know, I just remember this black eyeliner and taking a really long time. And I remember my husband getting a little antsy, like, let's go, like, let's get this show right. on the road. And, um, and then a phone call came in Wow. and the phone call wasn't a person. It was, um, you know, a, a voice recording that said something like an unexpected, sh- because of an unexpected shooting in the school. Like, I wish I still had that recording because I honestly yeah. can't exactly what it said. All I know is when we saw that Newtown schools were calling us on a morning, we were trying to get out of town. What right. do you think? One of my kids is sick. Right. Or exactly. Really stupid on the bus. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, of course. And um, I remember us thinking like, oh, come on, like really, really. Right. Um, but then my son who was watching TV as the event started to unfold, he said, no, mom, this is at Sandy Hook. Because I immediately thought it probably isn't true. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it just doesn't make sense. Of course. Um, or it's at the high school. Mm-hmm. Right. That's not in the elementary school. Elementary right. school, grades one through four. So when that, when my son saw it on the TV, he said, no, mom, this is Sandy Hook. So that's when just the, the chaos began, right? You know, right. just run into the imagine. It was chaos. My husband, Daniel, he'll give you a completely different story of what, what went down that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, because it was just straight up trauma. Like you couldn't think straight. Of course. So, um, so from that day forward, and I will say we were among the blessed that I came home with my children that day. Right. I did not know that people weren't, you know, I didn't know what was going on. Right. Like, yeah, till we got home and I started getting phone calls and I thought. So you went right to the school and you were able to get your kids right away? No. Oh, okay. We couldn't get to the school. Oh, we geez. lived not too far from Sandy Hook. It was all blocked off. Now wow. I'm like a rule follower. So I didn't want to go to the school anyway. I thought they're in lockdown. I don't want to get in the way. Like right. They've got something going on. Like, let's stay out of there. My husband wanted to go to school. I said, let's go to the church. Mm-hmm. So we drove to the church and they were in lockdown. Because no way. It was class mass, right. Friday morning, class mass, the church was locked. So I just ran to Mary. Yeah. It was just this beautiful statue of Our Lady. And I just remember being on my knees, just praying, like, let me have my kids. Because I really thought when I was zipping up those jackets and giving them that blessing, that that was my goodbye. Right. Yeah. And so, and then we just saw ambulance after ambulance after ambulance go by. And so eventually my husband couldn't take it. Mm -hmm. You know, his dad, he needed to get there. Right. And we took a wacky road, you know, travel, traveling, just, you know, back roads to try to get around so we could get to the school. And finally, we just left the car in the street. And um, and my husband said, forget, it, I'm going. I'm going yeah. right here. Now, I had with me in the back seat my eighth grader who was homesick that day. Right. And so I was afraid to leave him home. I didn't know what was going no, on. Of course. I and I talk about this in Sweet Cross. Uh, before Sandy Hook, I lived in Code Red. Like, I'm the mom that's like, <laughs> I'm terrified of everything. Like, someone oh my gosh. Door, like, don't answer it. My husband's like, it's FedEx. <laughs> you don't know that. You don't know. So I was already terrified right. before this. So um, I didn't want to leave my son home. I thought, what if somebody's loose in the town? Right, right. We're far from Sandy Hook. And um, and so unfortunately, he was with us that whole morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, phone calls coming in, people asking me, shouting, do you think that they're gone? Like, it was just chaos. Right. And, um, and so my oldest son, when we found the kids, I remember seeing him. They were at the firehouse. They walked them down to the firehouse. So my husband went and ran 
We mm-hmm. left the car. He went and ran. And finally, after a little while, I was getting phone calls from friends um, in Los Angeles because we had just moved from California to Sandy Hook. Oh, wow. So my friends in L.A. are watching the news. So they knew more than I did. And they're yeah. filling me in and they're making me sick. Right. At the stories they're telling me. So I just said, I said to my oldest son, we got to go. We got to run. Mm-hmm. And we just ran to the firehouse. And on the way there, my husband called and he said, okay, I got Luke. I can't find Danny. Oh my gosh. And so we got there and, and we found them and all, they were all eerily organized in that firehouse, yeah. you know, kids in lines, teachers with, you know, pieces of paper that said their grade. Right. And, and my son's teacher just looked like a ghost. Of course. And nobody really said anything. I knew something hideous happened, but had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't even realize when I saw the priest, saw a priest and he yeah. looked at me and he said, do you have your kids? And I said, yeah, not, not understanding. Oh, yeah. there were kids that were hurt. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I took the kids back and, and, and so it began and continues. Mm-hmm. and continues, you know, you go through something like that. What I like to call the residual suffering that we've experienced as a family and as a community and a parish, you know, it's, it's ongoing. It's kind mm-hmm. of ongoing. And so that's really been um, what, what got me to start putting Sweet Cross on paper was really, it's not, it's not a Sandy Hook book. It's not, a, you know, it's, there's right. a chapter or two um, and that's it. Right. But it's really about all the suffering, all the, cause you know, we all suffer. There's, there's no way around it. Now you might not have a mass school shooting. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean your cross isn't heavy. Right. right. That doesn't mean that what you're going through isn't just killing you and crushing you beneath the sure. weight of it. Um, so it was really interesting to watch the response. You know, how do people handle their suffering? Yeah. Um, I've seen it played out differently under my own roof, mm-hmm. in my parish, in my community, in the town, in the world, you know. So um, and and I just am so grateful. Because I always say when people ask me to say like, well, who are you? What's your story? I always say, you know, I was a hot mess that was rescued by Jesus. <laughs> and you know how the gospel story goes. Once you are rescued, he does what? He sends you out and you are never the same. There's no going back the same way. And so I had that experience before Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. So I am so grateful. It's just an example of being grateful for the hard times in our lives, those hard seasons. Because if I didn't have the hard season prior to Sandy Hook, I don't know that I would have responded the same way. Right, right. You know so let's I mean? talk about that because we're, we're here. It's like nine years ago now, right? Is, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what has that been like in your community? You're, you mentioned in um, our communications prior to coming on that you're, you're part of an, a support group. Uh, do those kinds of things continue? Are you as like families in that community? Have you generally stayed? Are you still connected? Um, what what has that been like? Yeah, you know, you know how it goes, right? After like there's, you know, there's a beauty in tragedy, right? Yeah. Because you never love your neighbor more. Right. You never get along with people better than when you are just so completely rattled and just brought to your knees. Mm-hmm. And that's what we saw in Sandy Hook. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and talking about how I was at a grocery store and made eye contact with a woman and we just hugged. I don't know who she is. Yeah. Never seen her again. But there's just that love that we recognize that we are one body. We are connected. We are brothers and sisters. Like whether you believe in God or not, you know that like we are meant for each other. Mm-hmm. And so there was that bond. There was definitely that bond. There was also a lot of distraction. Mm-hmm. There was 
out of the goodness of hearts, there were stuffed animals being sent. There was money. There were sneakers from Nike that said Sandy Hook on them. Like we, you know, just came at us with all these things to do with the kids mm-hmm. that were wonderful and so kind, but then it dies down. It, it's over, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you lose a loved one, people are bringing the meals and right. they're visiting you and then it gets quiet. Mm-hmm. And then you're left with yourself, you know? So when mm-hmm. that quiet kind of stopped, which it did, then the real work began. Then right. the real work. And what that looked like for my family, looked mm-hmm. like a lot of therapy. <laughs> it looked like a lot of therapy. Cause so, you know, my, my son, who was the first grader lost mm-hmm. 20 friends. How do, how do you, that's insanity. How do, how do you, right. how do you, how do you, how do you talk about that? Like, how do you even approach any of that? So, um, there was a lot of, a lot of good therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about my son's therapist in the book, you know, I, I loved him and hated him because he made me do hard things. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. He made me do hard things for the sake of just my son being okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a lot of therapy. Like we always joke, you know, in Newtown, like going to therapy is like going to ballet class for your kid. So it's, there's no like taboo. Like when I grew up, like you didn't talk about going to therapy. Right. But it's like, yeah. Can you do dinner? Sure. You know, Susie's got ballet. Joey's got therapy, you know, like, right. Well, it normalized it, right? It yeah. Totally normalizes, which is good. Yes. Um, you know, a lot of comfort dogs. We've pet a lot of dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I rescued a lot of dogs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, you know, you do get to that point where it settles yeah. and then everybody's sort of left to deal with that. And so, you know, I, I talk about, what I've seen community-wise, I've seen a lot of divorce. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of suicide. Yeah. I've seen a lot of depression, mm-hmm. a lot of addiction, a lot of anxiety, a lot of OCD. And half of these, I could say, are within my own family. Yeah, right, right. So, yeah. you know, somebody from the outside looking at this, you know, and this was what our experience as, as you know, the, the nation at the time that this tragedy occurred was like looking at it and it, like you said, it's insanity. It makes no sense. How do, how do you even begin to process that as a community? But what might you say to those of us on the outside who are looking at it? Like, this is, it's so hard to, you know, you, you are able to share about your feelings about this and talk about embracing the cross that comes your way, even when it doesn't make sense. And I think for, for many of us, that's the hardest thing. Like that was the hardest thing about this news was how senseless it was. And, you know, these, these children. And it's just such an unthinkable, heinous tragedy that, you know, the idea of embracing that kind of suffering is abhorrent to many people. I mean, it should be right. Um, Absolutely. So what do you say to people who are kind yeah. of stuck there? Like, look, yeah. you know, it could be Sandy Hook, but it could be anything you turn on the news and you hear about or something going on in your own personal life. You're sure. just like, this is, this is insane. Like, yeah. how do you get to that point where you can, you know, share about these experiences and as you beautifully do in Sweet Cross, share about embracing that kind of suffering? Yeah, um, that's a great question. That's a great question because I've definitely flip-flop. I had my moments. I had right. my core breakdowns for sure. But I think something that I personally have been very blessed to have, and this was Get passed on from my mom. Definitely. My parents and growing up did not appreciate it until recently, but it's our lady. It's the blessed mother. Yeah. Just as, as a role model and as a guide. So I had that foundation 
whether I liked it or not. It was it was <laughs> there. So, you know, there's a, and I always think about that when parents are like, my kids are, you know, leaving the church or leaving their faith. I'm like, if you build something solid underneath, just wait, just wait. Right. So yeah. that was there. I, and I'm one of those, you know, I rolled my eyes at praying the rosary, you know, when I was in my 20s. And here I am, like, I've got them on me at all times. You know? <laughs> so I think it's a very, it's the universal question that we all ask when suffering interjects our life, right? And that question mm -hmm. is why, right? right? And certainly for something like Sandy Hook, why would a God allow that? Like if there was a good God, why on earth would he allow that? And, and I always say the problem with asking why, right? Is like, we're never going to get an answer. Mm -hmm. And even if we did, would we really be okay with it? Right. You know, if God could really give us the answer now here on earth, like, would we be okay with it? And so- you know, we all wrestle with the question of why, but something that I had heard, I read that really made everything makes as much sense as unjust suffering can, right? Right. Um, it, it talked about this idea of um, of suffering, of that suffering isn't what shreds our faith ultimately. And this was this was actually said by Dr. James Dobson. Oh, okay. Okay. He said suffering is not what ultimately shreds one's faith. He goes on to say that, like, we've got the capacity to withstand an enormous amount of suffering. Like, we can we can do it all. I mean, we give birth, right? We have right. human beings tear out of us. Right. We can withstand an enormous amount of suffering, provided that the circumstances make sense. Mm -hmm. And that was the problem with yeah. Sandy Hook and so many other sufferings. And you said it and you hit the nail on the head. It didn't make sense. So what happens is confusion sets in. Mm -hmm. And confusion is ultimately what shreds our faith. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the suffering. And so when I read that, I thought, well, that really does make sense because this, no, it didn't make sense. Could he have stopped it? Sure, why not? Right. He could part the sea. He could straighten a withered hand. He can make deaf people hear. He could like, he does all these miracles. I know them. I read them. Right. Right. So why wouldn't he stop this? And I just had to get to that point of saying, stop asking why. Stop asking why you're not going to get that answer. And instead just do whatever he says. And that is what I glean from our lady, right? Like I always say, there's three things that I learned from our lady. And that is to say, yes, mm -hmm. just always say yes to do whatever he says. And then to stand at the foot of your cross. And so, um, so yeah, I think I was blessed. I just really think I was blessed, Danielle. And, and certainly friends that I have who lost children, mm -hmm. who had that foundation of faith, like they just would blow you away with their testimony. You right. know, people can't believe it, but we do believe that, you know, I always say like, as Christians, we're called to suffer, right? Because we're called to imitate Christ. Mm -hmm whole life was a cross. It was the, it right. was the cross. It was martyrdom. Right. You know, it was beaten and questioned and interrogated and, and ultimately murdered, like the greatest tragedy of all. Mm -hmm. Why? Make sense of that, yeah. right? Like right. We, we can't. You yeah, can't. That, that makes no sense either, right? right? Yeah. yeah, so I think it's really, it's just, it's the leap of faith, right? Like, stop asking why. Just stop. It yeah. gets you nowhere it gets you nowhere yeah and yet it's so human to ask why absolutely and My to be <laughs> uncomfortable in the not knowing but I, I I like that you mentioned our lady that you know that you went to her that morning before you even knew what was going on and 
um, that you had that that foundation of faith. And so the lessons you learned from our lady, let's start with the the say yes, because that's that's sometimes a word that gets stuck in my throat, right? Like it's like I don't want to, especially if you don't know or you you're aware of the fact of this kind of senseless suffering and like, what am I saying yes to? Like what? You know, yeah. um, so how do you how do you lean on our lady in in moments where you might be tempted to be like, uh, no, like <laughs> or when you're hesitating to just trust right? in God? Yeah. And, and I have a really good history of hesitation, <laughs> like real, really spot on. Um, one of the unfortunate and I'm um, just really trying things that came out of, um, or at least that came upon the heels of and following after Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. um, was one of my children that I discovered had a substance abuse mm-hmm. disorder was, was, um, I found things in the house that oh, <laughs> no gosh. mother ever wants to find. Yeah. And, um, and it rocked me. It rocked my world almost more than that morning of Sandy Hook because I didn't know what was, what I was yeah. walking into. Right. When you start finding drugs and paraphernalia and things like that in your house, you kind of know what's up. Right. And I did not want to say yes to that, Danielle. In <laughs> fact, I sat on my closet floor, torturing myself with a shoebox of his baby pictures Yes. And first haircut. Oh my gosh. Just sobbed over it, literally shaking my head out loud, saying no. Mm-hmm. Like saying it out loud. Like right. not not this Lord. And I have said, you know what? I took the, the school shooting and I right. carried that. Do not give me this on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like I felt very entitled. Like I carry that well. Like really? Right. And now this? Yeah. Like you've got to be kidding me. Um, I did not. I did not want to say yes to that at all. Mm-hmm. And so on one particular morning, that was um, just a real come to Jesus. Like I needed to do something about it, that it was way worse than I had imagined. Because, you know, kids experiment. We find yeah. that, you know, we right, had right. all those conversations like, oh, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. We, I, he did that. Like, you know, you you want to talk yourself out of it. Sure. Um, but this one morning I knew um, without a doubt that my kid was in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. real trouble. And, um, my girlfriend came over and it's that kind of girlfriend, you know, that doesn't have to like ring the doorbell. Right. Just walked in and sat down with me and I'm doing the ugly cry. And she had with her this rolled up poster. And she said, I meant to frame this, but I'm going to give it to you now. She unrolled it. And it's this gorgeous picture of Mary at the Annunciation. Oh, and she looked at it and she pointed to her and she said, Laura, this is you. She said, this is you right now. And I could see it from where I'm sitting right now. Oh, that's beautiful. I could see it from where I'm sitting. And um, I just sit with her there. I just sit with her there every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every day. I just ask her, teach me to say yes to what doesn't make sense. Right. I, I, I want to say yes, because I love you. Right. I love yeah. you, Jesus. I want to say yes to you, but I'm afraid. Or I want to say yes, but what if this doesn't end well? Right. Right. Like, right. what if this goes like the wrong way? Like, um, and so what I learned was that, you know, what Mary had was that true surrender, right? True acceptance of God's will over her own. Mm-hmm. And for us to have that, we have to be okay with the consequences ahead of time. Right. So I had to really change my prayer from saying, okay, 
Yes, I'll say yes. But could you make sure? <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, you know, we, we like to put those clauses in, right? Like, oh my gosh. I've got only like a, if, you know, a file. Only if X, Y, or Z does, isn't part of the deal, right? Like, only oh. if, right. And I used to say when I was touring with Victoria's Secret, I used to say, do you want to have an only if faith or an even if? Yeah. You know, it's oh, like I those like guys in the fiery furnace, right? Right. We will praise you, Lord. You know, you are good, even if mm -hmm. I remember reading that going, wait, hold the phone. Even if right. I've been only if faith, right. You know, yeah, I'll yeah. do that, but you got to show me. And that's when I learned, no, okay. If we're going to do this, if we are going to surrender to this cross, mm -hmm. then it is even if, and I will praise you and I will carry this. And I say this to this day, as we speak right now with my child situation, yes, mm -hmm. and, and I'll do what you say and I'll trust because even if it doesn't go the way I think it should, right. No better. I know better. I know that he's got the bigger story and, and, you know, Danielle, not everybody has that faith, right? Not everybody knows him that way. Um, and so I'm just so grateful and I really credit our lady because I do spend just time just sitting with her. I call it, you know, we all have that enunciation moment, right? Sure. Whether it's you get a phone call or a text, or mm -hmm. in my case, you open a shoebox or you find something in the back of a closet, mm -hmm. or maybe you see something on your husband's phone, whatever it is, everybody's got that moment when God breaks through and life as you knew it is no longer the same. Yeah. And so how are you going to respond in yeah. that moment? How are you going to respond? That's so hard. And I, I, I love the, the beauty of your, your simple testimony there, that it is hard and that you can get you can get better at it, right? Like I, I can hear that in what you're sharing that you kind of can accept the fact that, you know, wherever you are right now, you know, if you're, if you're struggling like that, I, I know so often I, I relate to that, that gospel story where it's like the, the two servants were called and one said yes and didn't go. And one said no, but then went later, you know, like, I'm like, I can always relate. I'm like, I, that's me. Right. I, I always reserve the right to say no first. <laughs> That is so great. You know, so and it's like, I, I just, I want to be able to say no, because that's our human response so often to suffering. Like we reject it. Like this doesn't make sense. This hurts. This isn't what I want. And, you know, kind mm -hmm. of allow yourself, I think, you know, to have that hissy fit in the first place and, sure. um, and then get to that place though, where we can, we can work toward saying yes, like Mary with that beautiful, perfect yeah. surrender. And for me, I mean, I, I, I love how you describe like God's will you know, knowing, kind of coming to the terms with the fact that it's better, it's it's what's best for us, right? And I, I really struggle with that a lot because I, I wind up, you know, I can fall into this bad habit of thinking like, oh yeah, God's will, that's always what's worst. Like that's, you know, like I'm almost like terrified <laughs> of it. Like, oh, he's going to pick all the bad stuff for me. I certainly can't say yes. Right. And yet reminding ourselves, it's always what's best. That's what he wants for every one of us. And it may not be what we want in the moment, but we're so short-sighted, right? Yes. No, we never want it. <laughs> we never want it. I just, um, I just was talking about this the other day. I said, it's think about like when you put your kid, like when your kids are little and you would put them in their car seat mm -hmm. and they would do that thing where they'd like arch their back oh, right. and like roll out of it. Like, and you'd be like fighting them mm -hmm. to get their car seat and they're kicking and they're screaming and you're sweating and you're embarrassed because people are looking at you, you know, <laughs> like the whole thing is just awful. And, um, but ultimately like, why are we doing that? It's because that's where they're safe. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. where they're safe. And I That's remember saying to them. my child once, listen, like, I know you don't want to be here. I know you don't want to be sitting in this right now, but this is going to keep you safe. And I'm doing it because I love you. I'm mm-hmm. not sure you, I don't want you. I'm not happy that you're miserable, right? that you can't move, that you'd rather be running, but this is where you're safest. Mm-hmm. And it's because I love you. And so I think if we could kind of have that perspective, like these things that God hands us that we don't really want. Right are ultimately for a better. And no, that doesn't mean we like it. Right. Ever. right. You know, that I have yet to, to love it. You know, I talk about in Sweet Cross with my son, one of the things about his therapist who I loved and then wanted to choke, <laughs> his whole thing was that my son had to sleep in his bed alone at night. Mm-hmm. And now up until the shooting, he was in our bed. And my husband's like, this is getting really old because Luke slept <laughs> on a diagonal. <laughs> That's a little tough. <laughs> and, you know, like I, at that point, like four kids, I'm like, I don't care. I just want to sleep. So, right. you know, but we made a deal that after Christmas, we were going to get Luke in his own bed. Mm-hmm. Well, the shooting happened two weeks before Christmas. So that was mm-hmm. the window. And then the therapist brought up, no, I really think it's time to get Luke back in his own bed. And it was like, well, of course you do. You're not married. <laughs> like I was so yeah. like, I was so mad. And, and I was like, you don't understand. He's coming down the hall crying and scared. And like, I couldn't do it. And he held me to it. And mm-hmm. he told me, he said, look, the big picture, look at the big picture. You are helping your son grow into a man mm-hmm. and put himself and to feel confident. Um, mommy coddling him every night is not going to do that for him. But of course yeah. I'm like, what do you know? Mm-hmm. You right. Know, it's so hard. I nurse him if I could right now. <laughs> <laughs> totally get that. I want to swaddle him and read him goodnight moon till he's <laughs> very normal. Yes. Yeah, oh my so, gosh. Um, but he, he, because he didn't have the most emotional attachment, mm-hmm. you know, mother, son, see that. Mm-hmm. say, no, this is really what's best. And, um, and he was right. Mm-hmm. And he was right. And we did it. And my son had a hard time for a couple of nights. And I'm happy to say he's 15. He's still in his bed. <laughs> and he's probably the most well-adjusted right now out of all of us. Like, yeah, that's great. No joke. Because I did the hard thing. I did the mm-hmm. thing that God asked me to do that I did not want to do. Right. Because, you know, we look at the foot of the cross as like danger, danger zone when it's right. actually the safest place. Like there's no safer place. Then right. at the, the cross and we've got our lady and we've got Magdalene, like we're in good company there, mm-hmm. but we avoid it. Don't we? Oh, of course. Especially if it has to do with our kids. Like, that's what I find. Like, I've always felt like, okay, Lord, you know, make me suffer in any kind of way, but none of us wants to watch our kids suffer. And, and with your child, especially going through the addiction issues, I'm sure that was a big part of what you were struggling with is just, you know, so many of us, I hear from moms every single day who are like, my kid's doing X, Y, or Z. My kid's leaving their faith. My kid, you know, is involved in whatever that we don't want them involved in. They're hurting themselves and we can see that. And yet, uh, maybe talk a little bit about how Our Lady is a role model for exactly that, like watching our kids suffer. Of course, Jesus didn't choose wrongly or suffer as a result of his own sin, but man, did he suffer. And like you said, she was right there at the foot of the cross witnessing it. What What a powerful example that is for us. Yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, you said it, it it is such a powerful example. Um, and, and I think what we have to do is we really have to meditate 
on those mysteries of Jesus, you know, really know him not as like plastic Jesus on the shelf, but like human yes. Jesus. I mean, the chosen is like helped us all do that, right? Like yes. that Jesus more. So great. Um, you know, my son walked by when we were watching an episode of the chosen. He was like, that's so cool. They were like real people. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, but to, to humanize mm-hmm. um, the human part of Jesus. And then Mary, Mary was human. Right. Mary was human. Of course she was perfect and, and, and sinless there. So there's that. Right. But just to know that she is that example of just the trust, the trust and the obedience, really, I mm-hmm. think are the things when it comes to our kids, certainly at least for, for myself, um, mm-hmm. those are kind of the two virtues that I, I mean, there's so many and, and in Sweet Cross, what I do is every chapter is a different virtue of Our Ladies. Okay. Um, presented by St. Louis de Montfort. So there are these 10 virtues of Our Lady. And, you know, everyone, every time I sit down to write about one virtue, I'd be like, oh, humility. Oh, that's the hard one. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, heroic patience. Oh gosh, no, that's the, that's hard, the hard one. one. And all the hard ones. obedience. Okay, forget it. That, so, you know, that's the great thing about Mary at that foot of the cross is she embodies all of these virtues and they're there for our taking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, are we going to do it perfectly? Heck no. Yeah. You know, do I fail daily? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, but to try to imitate just one of those a day and, and to stand with her, um, you know, look, I'm the perfect example. I'd be like, okay, so I get it. Your son, you lost your son, you know, mm-hmm. on a, a hideous step, died on a cross. I'm like, but, but he, he was good. He was right. a good guy or like, you know, but, but, you know, he, he, he didn't do drugs and he right. wasn't you're like, I've got all these like butts and it's like, mm-hmm. listen to what you're saying. I know he was, he was perfect. Mm-hmm. And he did that for me. Those are my sins yeah. that nailed him. And he did them for my kids and he did them for your kids. And so kind of when you get that idea of Mary is standing there as our mother, accepting like, like there's no, yes, I could say that will ever compare to that one. Sure. Right. He didn't right. have to do it. Mm-hmm. And neither did she. And yeah. I think that's the amazing thing. You know, they, they didn't, neither one, they could have, he could have jumped down and been like, let's go get a latte. Like, no. <laughs> like they're never going to learn. Usually, right. they're, never, they're just going to get worse. I can see the future and it's not getting any better. <laughs> it's, it's terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of pull from her virtues and every day it's a different one. The obedience one is a big one for me lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mary didn't get in the way of what Jesus was trying to do and everything was ordered towards the father, right? Because they both mm-hmm. love each other. And I think that's a mistake. And I don't say that harshly because I've been making this mistake for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But I think what moms especially fall into is that getting in the way of God and what he's trying to do in our children's lives, right? Right. Yeah. Because we don't want them to fall. We don't mm-hmm. want them to get hurt. We don't want any of that. I give this example. When my son was in fourth grade, I was dropping him off at school. And this is when we lived in LA. Kids going to Catholic school. And I dropped him off and he turned around. He was like, I forgot. I need poster board. And so, of course, what does a mom do? Right. I got the poster board. Of I course. went got the poster board. This was back when you can walk into your kid's school. Right. Without police and alarms and all that. And I walked in. And I walked right to his classroom and I knocked on the door and the teacher opened it. And I said, I have a Jack's poster board. And the teacher looked at me and she said, oh, I'm so sorry. 
this assignment was for Jack, not for you. And she <laughs> didn't take the poster. Oh board. my gosh. I know. My girlfriend was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but did he ever forget poster board again? Right. No, no. Oh and we don't want them to learn the hard way. Yeah. But I don't know about you. My greatest lessons, I learned the hard way. Absolutely. Don't want to make that mistake again. And mm-hmm. I think, um, I, I know I have, I have robbed um, all of my children in one aspect or another of kind of like having that hard fall or going to home, going to school without homework or showing mm-hmm. up in practice without the cleats. Um, Cause it only takes one time mm-hmm. for them to forget and not have it to remember, but you know, we kind of step in and get really entangled into their worlds because we don't want them to fall. But I think even bigger than that, I don't know about you, but I thought that that's what made me a good mom. Mm-hmm. Making like, sure they never hurt. Yeah. I prided myself on like, I gave the best birthday parties. I made the best cakes. Their goodie bags were fabulous. <laughs> and I brought their cleats when they forgot them because I was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I was So what else do I, am I like, I can jump and, and give right. them what like, so I really, I thought that that's what made me a good mom. Like, mm-hmm. and, um, and I talk about this often that the first support group, so you mentioned, you know, I go to these support groups. It's not actually for Sandy Hook. It's for, um, people who have loved ones who have addiction issues. Mm-hmm. That's my support group. And, um, I remember the first one I went to, they got to this woman and they were asking, you know, check in, how you doing? And she literally said, I'll never forget that. She goes, I'm good. I had to kick Johnny out today. So he's on the streets and, um, and so, yeah, so that's it. So yeah, no, everything else is good. Oh my God. And I was like, hold the phone. (laughs) What did you just say? I was like, I'm sorry. Nothing you just said was good. (laughs) Like everything's good. And I did not go back for a year. Wow. I didn't go back for a year. You're like, who are these people? (laughs) Who are these people? Exactly. And they're not my people. I'm a good mom. I love my kid. I'm not giving up on my kid, Mm -hmm. you know, cut to a year later. And that's, and that's right. Well, that's what she was sacrificially doing to love her child. Right. And you have to, something I've learned that's just really great is ask yourself, is my help helping? Oh, that's a good question. I love that. That's a great one for every mom to think about because sometimes it is helping. But a lot of times, a no. lot of times it's, <laughs> it's not, you know, I can't understand why my baby, my 15 year old tall baby mm-hmm. can't put away the almond milk every morning, mm-hmm. right? Every right. morning I'm out, the almond milk is out. What do I do? I put it away. Yeah. You're helping. And I open the door and I say, hey, hon, you left the almond milk. Out. I got it. But next time. Mm. No. Leave the almond milk out, Laura, and let him put the almond milk away. And if it goes bad, guess what? He doesn't have almond milk tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Is your help helping? It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And I, you know, it's been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn is that, you know, let go, let God, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. really that's scary. everyone's struggle for sure. We can't see him. We don't know that he's going to jump in. And we certainly don't know that he's going to jump in and save everybody the way that we told him to. <laughs> right. Exactly true. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, Laura, I've loved this conversation. Before we have to wrap up, I want to you said every chapter in the book is focused on a different virtue. So that sounds very structured to me, like something women might like to do for like a, a women's group that would get together and go through the book. Do you have any resources or ideas for how they might do that? 
Yeah, that would be great. It's funny you say that because I'm actually starting to write a study guide for it. Perfect. So I want to have, um, yeah, I did this with Victoria's Secret and it worked great. And um, I've got a Patreon website also. So I do, I lead book, you know, book, virtual book clubs and things okay. like that. Are it you planning be- to do one specifically for this book? I am. Okay. I am. So, um, so that's in the works. That's not out yet. That's in the works. But yeah, I think it's a great idea. And it is very structured. It's a super easy read. And you could even just, if you do it as a group, that would be wonderful. I, mm-hmm. I think small groups are, I mean, I'm a huge fan of a small group. For sure. And like relational ministry and talking. I think that's like where the magic happens and we can like really learn to apply things to our yeah. lives. But it's also great on your own and give mm-hmm. yourself a challenge. You know, okay, I'm going to read, even if you read one chapter a week, you don't even need right. to do it a day and just really focus on that because how, how it's structured is I give kind of a personal story mm-hmm. of um, whatever the virtue is that I lack. Because <laughs> that's what it is. I'm not, yep. I don't have this all together by any stretch of the imagination, mm-hmm. but I'll give a scenario of a, of a, something, a circumstance I'm working through and say it's patience that I was lacking. Then I'll give an example of Mary and all the examples we know of her and how she has this virtue of patience and then kind of ideas of the way you can apply it to your own life. Yeah, that sounds excellent. So if people want to check out you know, the, the book, Sweet Cross, or if they want to check out Victoria's Secret, um, where can they go? You've got a website, right? Sure. Yeah, I have a website. So my website, it's lauramaryphelps.com. Okay. All one word, lauramaryphelps.com. Um, you can get Sweet Cross through my website. You can also get it on Amazon right now. I'm getting all the texts. People are getting them in their mailbox, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, for the OSV, our Sunday Visitor uh, Bookstore okay. there as well. And I'm on Instagram. I'm not a huge, like I'm not on Twitter. I'm barely on Facebook, but I do love me my Instagram. So I'm Laura underscore M underscore Phelps on Instagram. Okay, great. So we'll have all of that linked up in the show notes so people can check that out at ascensionpress.com. We'll have all of those links for you to check out all the good stuff coming from Laura Phelps. Laura, I want to thank you. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us here on Girlfriends, but even more importantly, thank you for your witness and for the beautiful way that you share your gifts in a way that ends up being so encouraging to the rest of us who are here in this battle alongside you. Oh gosh, it is my pleasure. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about how to pray like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback, sometimes a question from a listener. And today I'm not going to read a specific question because it was a very long and involved conversation that took place on Instagram, but it is representative of a topic that comes up time and again. And I hear from women who are suffering in similar circumstances all the time. So I'm just going to share with you the topic. And it was a woman who reached out to me very recently about a husband who's addicted to pornography. And this is a serious topic. This is a topic that is 
almost taboo to talk about. People have, even this woman who was reaching out to me said she had lots of feelings of shame and guilt and she didn't want to be sharing about this problem. She didn't even feel like she could share about this problem among friends and family and even with her own priest. So there's a lot of that that prevents people from getting the help that they need. But this particular question came from a woman who is living with a husband who is actively addicted to pornography and says he's willing to change, but doesn't actually take any action to change. And so many women, I think, find themselves in that circumstance. And her particular note to me really, really, really touched me because it broke my heart in so many ways to hear the ways that she's suffering, to hear the consequences of this sin that her husband is immersed in and the kind of helplessness that she feels. And yet she was saying she's very committed to her marriage and not wanting a divorce, not sure where to turn for the kind of help that she might need. And um, so I want to speak to this because I happened to get this note from this woman right around the time I just read on a very large, widely read Catholic publication, a note from a woman who was writing anonymously about a similar circumstance that her husband was addicted to pornography. And this woman was writing from a kind of perspective of, she was kind of, um, I'm not going to, you know, exactly quote her, but she was resigned to it in a way. Like she wasn't going to be battling it. She was kind of comparing it to the way that, you know, Jesus always forgives us. And so she was always forgiving her husband, even though he was actively engaged in this sinful, addictive behavior. And that just didn't sit right with me. Reading that, I thought, okay, I, I'm, no, I'm not judging this woman. You know, I don't doubt her sincerity. And yet, I think the message that women who are in that kind of circumstance need to hear is not so much like offered up and look the other way or forgive and forgive and forgive, but that you need to set some boundaries and some standards in your marriage. And that can be a very scary thing to do. So I want to encourage anybody who's suffering with this to find the support that you need to be able to set those kinds of standards and boundaries in your home. Because, you know, this woman who reached out to me on Instagram was very much worried about her marriage. She didn't want to lose her marriage. And yet, if this is going on in your marriage and it goes on unchecked, you are losing your marriage. It's destroying your marriage. An addiction to pornography is not going to just get better and go away on its own. It needs to be addressed and it will destroy you. It will destroy your marriage. So the way to save your marriage oftentimes means intervening and getting the kind of help that you need to set boundaries and set a standard in your marriage that you're not going to sit idly by and allow this to happen. You're not going to be a part of it. It's not going to happen in your home. It's not going to happen in your marriage. And that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing to do. Um, so I, I want to encourage women who are in that circumstance to find the help that you need to set that kind of boundary. And wherever you can get it. It might be that you share with your your priest and he doesn't know what to say. I think so often in our church today, this is such an overwhelming problem. And I know priests are very familiar with it because they hear confessions. They know how rampant this problem is. And yet nobody has a perfect solution for it. It is an overwhelming thing. It is a very powerful thing. It's an addictive behavior that just takes over people's lives and is so detrimental. And yet any woman who's living in circumstances like this is not spiritually and emotionally safe in that place. So if that's you, you know, get the support that you need to set the boundaries and set the standards 
to remove yourself from that situation and whatever, whatever that takes. I'm not telling you leave your marriage. I'm not telling you get a divorce. You know, there are many, many steps that you can take to address this and set those kinds of standards and boundaries that are, are short of divorce for sure. So the one resource that I'm going to absolutely recommend is not actually a, a Catholic resource. It is um, an organization called Redemptive Living. And you can find them at redemptiveliving.com. It's a Christian um, service. And, you know, on their website, they, they describe themselves as um, we help men and women and marriages around the world dealing with sexual integrity and sexual betrayal. Our team has been there, lived it, and by God's grace, found redemption personally and relationally. So, you know, this is this is counseling support that you need with people who are experienced. And it is a Christian-based organization. It's not Catholic, but it's really the best that I have seen around. Um, I, I know people personally who have gone through this, and this is a resource that comes highly recommended from people who've been there, who have been through a great battle with regard to this kind of addiction and gotten through it and still are battling it, you know, still going through it. Um, but it's an organization that comes highly recommended from good Catholic people that I know who have gone through this exact kind of suffering. So I wanted to share that resource with anybody who's, who's suffering through this right now. And if there's any other way that I can be a support to you or connect you with other resources, do not hesitate to reach out. I can put you in touch with other people as well. My email is danielle at daniellebean.com. And you can contact me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I personally am not a counselor. I'm not professionally trained to deal with these kinds of things, but I can help you to contact the and access the kinds of resources that you do need to do this. And know this, God wants better for you. This is not a marriage you are living out. If you are living out this, if you are living with someone who is actively addicted to pornography, you this is not this is not God's plan for you. And it's not something you should resign yourself to. It's not something you can look the other way on. It is actively destroying your marriage and it is not an emotionally or spiritually safe place for you to be. So God wants better for you than that. He loves you so much and he wants to protect you from this evil that is active and present in your life, in your marriage today. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being a part of today's podcast. I want to thank Laura Phelps for her contribution here. Definitely do check out all that she has to offer over on her website, lauramaryphelps.com. But for now, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of the show today. It means so much that you take some time out of your week to spend with me right here on Girlfriends. I don't take that for granted. It's an honor and it's a privilege to be part of your week. So thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 